and here we go. Welcome to the Community Hotline presented by 88 Real Estate Media. I am your host, Bob Fang, and it is my honor to introduce community member Daniel to join us today. Community member Daniel, tell us, introduce yourself a little bit. How you doing, guys? I'm Daniel Bonin. I'm 26 from San Diego, California, part of SVN Vanguard. Down here focusing in commercial real estate. I typically focus in all uh, real estate asset types, but mainly uh, retail, industrial, and uh, I have a niche product of churches that I focus on here in San Diego. Wow, churches. What made you get into, uh, how'd you figure that out? Well, growing up, um, I always went to private Catholic school. Um, Catholicism was kind of a major backing for my parents, and they wanted me to go down that route. They're a little bit more religious than I am. So growing up, always been around kind of the uh, San Diego diocese and kind of been tied into that. Went to an all-boys uh, private Catholic school here in San Diego, St. Augustine. So as I got into real estate, kind of stumbled across it. It's kind of a funny real estate story, but uh, work with a a uh, prep academy school called Nativity Prep down here. And what they do is they focus on uh, children coming from lower socioeconomical families, um, you know, families that have never been to college or had high level degrees of education. Um, my father and I volunteer at the school, kind of mentoring. I coach football there, you know, with flag football for the kids and stuff. And um, they are a really poor facility. And it's a really cool program because essentially these kids go to school for about 12 hours a day. Mm. Uh, they go to school for about 320 days a year. And if they maintain, you know, behavioral education uh, standards, uh, the school and donors will basically put the money up to get them to the best high schools in San Diego. And if they maintain a GPA and behavior and kind of just like, you know, regular things, just being a good student, uh, active student. Um, we sponsor them, uh, and there's, you know, um, tuition to any college they want or can get into, and we try to help that out. So through that, you know, they were operating out of this really poor facility, um, right in kind of central San Diego. And they talked about, you know, trying to lease or buy new space. And essentially through that, I, you know, we kind of had a few ideas and I started looking around and realizing a lot of, uh, church sites are the same all on um in the real estate game we call it a hard corner which means it's just kind of like on a corner spot good yeah. exposure and a lot of them are zoned for redevelopment so through that i've kind of started finding this niche and i think it's also kind of a product of kind of a modern day society i would say a lot of millennials um even technology too no one's really going to church or it's really reduced and um through that, I started finding a lot of these churches were not in good financial situations, which kind of led to the opportunities of us being able to buy, redevelop, help sell them, kind of that kind of that niche. So I full circle comes around as I found a property we were going to redevelop as a church. It was a church site and had a school component to it, but it was a, it was a very funky deal. It's four different kind of buildings. And we realized that we weren't going to be able to develop apartments on it. And I pitched it to the school. And it was a very big project and there's a lot of problems that came through it. Um, you know, the, in San Diego and especially California zoning, um, uses for schools and churches are on a time limit. So a church actually left and, uh, well, 
the operating church left, the ownership, who was a different church that owned the property, needed to sell or get someone else in there right. in about a six-month period so they can keep their permits and uses, essentially, so they wouldn't have to go back to the city. So, you know, one thing led to another. Um, Nativity was highly interested. Um, originally, they wanted to sell the property for $4.4 million. We ended up being able to acquire it for uh, $2.6 million. Um, we found problems, um, which is, you know, part of the real estate game is with any problem is an opportunity. Right. And something our team really tries to focus on. So through all that, um, you know, that's just one example of our most recent close. That was about a month ago. And now through that, I'm, we're helping not only, um, you know, facilitate the sale and close it out, but uh, designing the school as well, too, which has been a, been a big obstacle with uh, COVID and, you know, all the new regulations and, you know, rules and mandates and things. So it's been a, it's been a big experience, but that's kind of how I stumbled into uh, this church niche. Which right. Is, but, uh, you know, and right now I have uh, two properties, churches that are under escrow being redeveloped or for redevelopment. And that's kind of how I fell into that little niche there. I love that. I love that. I love the education component of it. That's, I didn't know that. Okay. I, I don't think people understand the the commercial development game as well that you could, you know, buy something like a church and, and rezone it or, or redevelop it into, into basically something else. That's a good tip to know. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great intro, man. I love it. All right. Before we get into it, guys, uh, let me break down the rules of the game. Um, uh, this is a no cursing show. So if you do curse, you get a first strike, a second strike, and then on strike three, you are out. Uh, so far, that's never been happened before. So <laughs> be concerned about that. But uh, let's get right into the first topic of the day, uh, which is money. It's something you definitely uh, touched upon. Um, what is money? Well, you know, when I first, I guess when I was younger in college and high school, you know, money to me was just money. And I wanted, you know, everyone wants money to buy, you know, the best things they have or, you know, what they like and enjoy. But through the years, I've kind of developed a different understanding. And to me, money is more of an asset type that, or I should say an asset that brings you happiness. And whether that's through a relationship or, you know, a car. A house, you know, everyone has their own subjective view on what they really value as money. And to me, my, I guess my where my my thought changed is, you know, previously I, I thought money would make me happy, and the more I worked, the more money I made, it would lead to my happiness, you know, growing. And what I realized is that there were things that money couldn't solve, and sacrificing. Monet monetary money for such things as developing experiences or relationships. You know, maybe I don't go to, maybe I don't work at, uh, an eight hour day. I work a seven hour day, but on that, on that eighth hour that I would be in the office, I go donate. And I'm a big proponent of San Diego blood bank. I, I have a rare, rare blood type. So I'd like to go do that. And to me in my, in my thinking is that, you know, I could work that extra hour and potentially make X amount of money. Right. But for me to take that time and go volunteer or spend time with someone I love, family, friends, relationship partner, you know, it doesn't matter. That meant more to me and it brought me happiness. And, you know, it, that I think is the end goal for anyone. And absolutely, you know, you need to work, you need to make money to, you know, pay your bills. That is a part of our society and kind of what we're in right now. But it's not the end all be all. 
And I think that's what gets people twisted up is they think money is the answer to everything when it's not. And I think when you don't focus on the money and you almost take the greed aspect out of it, to me, it's led to more opportunities for me business-wise to get into deals, to do things. And it was just an act of me not being greedy, but just having fun and experiences. I love that. That's great. That's great. Your your understanding of money then has it has it changed much since you were in you know high school since your younger days? Oh, absolutely. My you know one of my biggest things is I coming out of college. I I said I was going to make a hundred thousand dollars. I was like I'm going to make over six six figures coming out hot. I you know I'm a hustler. I've always been. I'm going to do it. I'll tell anyone you are not going to make over six figures coming out of college. I promise you. I promise you. Maybe some of you. Maybe some of you, but overall, it's just not going to happen. And that's, it's not a bad thing. And everyone has to start at a found, you know, has a foundation kind of level that you got to some, you know, start higher than others or whatnot. But for the most part, no one's making over 50 grand your first year. You're, you know, don't worry if you're not, you're going to, you're going to be okay. You're going to pay your bills. But to me, it's, you know, through that time, uh, you know, and I think it kind of goes back to college, how a lot of kids, even for myself, when I, I went to the University of Colorado uh, mm-hmm. in Boulder, I went in as a psychology major and ended up changing my major probably three times, four times, and ended up doing majoring in communication and business. Mm-hmm. I kind of translate that to the workforce in that you go to college, you you know think you know what you want to study, you end up switching your lane a little bit, end up going down one path, which you know you think, okay, this is what I want to do. But then when you come out of the work workforce, no matter which industry you get into, don't ever pigeonhole yourself. And sometimes you're going to find you're going to go into something and say, this is awesome. And um, you'll like it, you know, year or two maybe goes by and you realize it's not for you. And I think a lot of my friends and I have spoken with, we've all had the same experience. And some people get very freaked out and the anxiety starts kicking in. I don't have it figured out because there's this stigma that, you know, we were supposed to come out with a college degree and make a hundred grand and, you know, be killing it. And it's just not, it's not how it is. But my biggest takeaway is that no matter what job you go into, try to take something from it. Um, previously I was working at a company before I got into real estate right. uh, called house. Uh, it was downtown. I was doing inside sales, super cool company, great people. Um, I was but I was there for about two years and, you know, I look back on it and I was sick of it by the end. And that's what let, led me to getting my real estate license and going that direction. But I look back and there's a lot of skills I took from that job that I've translated over to real estate and even other aspects of my life. And there's, you know, no matter what job you get, just take something from it, whether, you know, it's the training, the people, the advice, you know, just your experiences through that it's all going to in the end kind of come full circle and will help you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think, I think the, the aspect of you talking about like your, your whole process of, you know, from, from education of you going to, to school and then how you came out and like how people should like never waste a good experience, you know, just always mm-hmm. have something from it. I think that's genuine um, tip and knowledge right there, which kind of brings us to the second topic of the day, which is education. Um, you know, you mentioned you went to, uh, Colorado, what is it? Colorado Boulder, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a weird school. Everyone, it's CU Boulder, but it's university of Colorado. Yeah. No, I, mean, I had a lot of friends that went to Boulder. Um, oh, okay. 
what uh who who were you who were you in school what type of person were you in school you know in high school and college are you two different people or were you kind of just i was i i yeah, I was two, I was two different people. You know, still the same person, but different experiences kind of got me through. Um, you know, in high school, I I wasn't the best student. I actually wasn't really a good student at all. Um, you know, not behavior behavioral wise. Well, I did talk a lot in class and stuff. I was chatty Kathy, but uh, but uh, no, it's in the high school. I look back at it and academically, um, I didn't try. I I just didn't really care. I would, it sounds really bad to say that. And, but you know, I was more of an athlete. I like, so I'm more of a social person. I was kind of more in that scene. Mm. But when I do look back at high school, one thing I do, I, I get mad at myself because there are certain topics and um, subjects that I wish I focused a lot more in because I have a big interest now. And I think it was a little bit of my maturity and I just wasn't really prepared at that time. I, my head was just in different places. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, through high school, I guess why, you know, where I'll kind of get to is how I got, you know, why I changed from high school to college is I don't, there's a lot of experiences kind of going through. Um, in high school, um, it was 2008, 2009. Um, both my parents were in real estate. So that's really the origin of the, my real estate uh uh, I don't want to say experience, but my interest in real estate and where it is, it's really running through my blood. My mom owns her uh, and runs her own residential brokerage in San Diego. My father um, started and runs his own commercial brokerage. So I kind of had it from both angles of real estate and, you know, grew up with it. So um, I go to high school, 0809, um, which was the mortgage financial crisis. And, you know, some kids are probably too young and they won't really know what the effects was. But if you were in the workforce, especially real estate, it was Armageddon. It was absolute insanity. People were freaking out and it was a big deal. Um, a movie I would say that really explains it well is The Big Short. Right. Um, I would really recommend if anyone kind of wants a very um, sophomore, just very like clean way to kind of describe what happened those years. So the reason why I bring that up is 0809 happened. Um, both my parents in real estate were rocked and it's like getting hit, you know, blindsided by a bus and no one knew it was happening. Everything was melting down. So at that time, right at that time too, um, my grandma started going through stages of um, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, balance, it kind of affected her balance. So she was falling a lot and things of that nature. Um, so that, re that resulted in, and my parents are divorced too. So that resulted in, um, my grandma moving in with my mom and I, and that at the time brought a lot of financial and emotional stress, uh, on our family. Um, not only myself, my mom, she was an absolute trooper. Um, through such a hard time, um, you know, financially, we were struggling because of the real estate market, but then bringing another person into our home, you know, made it tougher, a lot of medical bills and things of all that sort. But there's also the emotional aspect too, that, you know, my mom was fighting for her life with, you know, um, trying to make, you know, ends meet. And at the same time, taking care of, and I think any person who, um, is a caregiver of a family member or a friend or anything of that will understand it's a lot. 
it's a lot, it, not only emotionally, but physically too, you know, moving, especially an elderly person, helping them in and out of bed, moving them out of the car, bathing them, you know, it's a, it's a lot just all, all the way around. So at that time in, uh, in high school, my house, I can't say, I don't want to say it was divided, but my mom was almost in her own world and I was 14 and kind of on my own, um, you know, financially struggling, uh, emotionally struggling. Um, and really what it led to me is my first job, which was at a skate rink. And through that, I, you know, I started realizing I have to make my own money if I want to go have, you know, go have fun with friends or go do fun things that I enjoyed too. At the time, I needed to pay for it myself. There's a lot of school supplies and things, uh, sports equipment I I needed to pay for. And that's what really led to me uh, getting my first job. So really kind of growing up at such a young age of starting to realize, okay, I need to make money, manage my money, open bank accounts. And I would like, I wish I wish I had a picture of it. My, when I was 15 years old, I ended up, you know, I was hustling, um, landscaping gigs, my job, you know, trying to make money work every way I could. So I'm 15 years old, and I probably had, you know, a few thousand dollars, nothing crazy. And I went into a bank to open my own bank account, and this teller was, she was like, just did not understand. She was like, "Are do you know what you're doing? Like, <laughs> like do you want to sit down with a teller and like us to go through?" And I. And it was cool. And we, you know, we laughed about it, but just being so young, she was thrown off. But, you know, that was an experience too, that I went to go put my money in and open my own account. Teller sat, sat me down or a banker sat me down and walked me through everything. Savings accounts, checking accounts, understanding how to leverage those things in the future. And, you know, I'm 15 years old. I don't know half these like, economical, you know, banking terms that she's talking about, but I figured it out. And just having the having the exposure like at such a young age was one of the most powerful things for me because it really helped me develop as a man, um, you know. And I think it, it almost correlates with my sports is that when you have a job, you have to be disciplined, team player, on time, punctual. Um, you know, uh, you have to you know take care of yourself. You know, be presentable to other people. So it taught, you know, it taught me a lot of life lessons that I could carry on. So through kind of those experiences through high school and, you know, the the mortgage crisis lasted, you know, till 2012, which was when I pretty much graduated. Well, you know, still had repercussions past that, but it was really bad for about two to three years. So through high school, I really grinded things out on my own. And, you know, maybe that's why I wasn't too, so good of a student. I had a lot of things going on, you know, emotionally and with my family. But at the same time, when I got to college, I felt that there were things, you know, with my friends, I was in a fraternity and a bunch of social clubs and things like that. Right. I realized that my experience is being so young and independent and gaining that confidence in myself that I can go make money. I can go, I can go find a job. I'm going to get through this really gave me confidence through all of college and, you know, not being the best student and going to a, a university and Boulder is a very prestigious school in, in some, you know, some departments. Um, a lot of people kind of doubted me in high school. Like people, you know, really, really thought I was a party boy and was going there just to smoke weed and go to the best party school, you know, <laughs> in, in the U S but you know, it was a lot more than that for me. And I, 
And I guess, um, you know, I don't want to say they expect me to fail, but a lot of people thought, you know, he's just going to, you know, party his way out. And, you know, getting to college, I saw a lot of friends and ha have a lot, have a lot of friends that burned out, you know, they didn't, they party too much. They didn't know how to balance school and life. And right. that's one thing I think I started developing at such a young age. And, you know, through the grace of God, I graduated in four years and never failed a class, never gotten any, you know, trouble out there and had a great time. It was the best experience of my life, but that's kind of how I changed. I think I was more uh, immature in high school, but through kind of just, you know, going through life, going through conflict and just being a man and, go, you know, going facing adversity, as I, as I like to put it, and facing that adversity really grew myself. So when I got to college, it prepared me to be a man. And there's things in college that were experiences that changed me. So, you know, when I graduated college, I would say I'm a different person now, too. But I would say that that should carry on through life and, you know, maintain maintain certain personality aspects and things that, you know, are positive in your life you want to hold. But we should change and grow, and grow. So we should be changing, you know, not every four years or five years that, you know, that time is that doesn't matter in that equation. What really matters is that we keep growing as a person. And as I mentioned earlier, no matter what job you take from it, take an experience, take some type of skill you learned, develop yourself because what it does is it just kind of keeps layering itself. And then next thing you know, you had $1, but now you got a hundred dollars. And those are your skills that you can take and, you know, develop and really make yourself a Swiss army knife, as I call it, to you know, any type of industry. To be a ninja. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you know, your, the struggles that you kind of went through emotionally, how you, you had to grow up fast and, and you had to get a lot of responsibilities, uh, from a young age. Uh, first of all, that's pretty inspiring to open a bank account at 15. So kudos to you. All <laughs> the kids listening out there is not too late to start thinking about saving. Uh, hey, start saving from day one. Yeah. Start saving from day one. I'm to, and, and one of the biggest things, um, I was working at a uh, uh, a framing company, um, you know, for track homes, like you know where you put the wood up and lumber and whatnot. And the the president who of the company, he told me, um, and reason why I you know I was trying to make a buck out there, and he shared with me, he's like, you know, you should really grow yourself and you know develop your education, develop yourself because you'll you know if not, you're going to find something you don't love. And one thing he really shared with me is start saving from the very first paycheck, whether it's, if it's a dollar, ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever your paycheck is. And I, I still do it, and I I do by a percentage of my check, and I take ten percent of um, whatever after taxes and kind of what I profit. We'll call it my revenue. I take ten percent, and I have it in an account. And I just shell it over, whether it's a massive real estate deal, a sale that I crushed, or a small lease deal where I made a few hundred bucks. I just take 10% and keep putting it away. And if you really do look at, you know, and I have an account that has compounding interest. Right. Compounding interest is a beautiful thing. Where do people find that account? How do you, because I've been, I've been looking for some compounding interest accounts and I, I can't seem to find that at a bank. I would just go, um, you know, you can Google around and kind of talk to, you know, I would, I would go into your local bank if you have, you know, if you have an account and whatnot, go talk to a teller and just kind of share what you're trying to do. Because if you start looking or 
you know, one other thing I've done too now is I, uh, one of my best friends works for Wells Fargo uh, as an, uh, a wealth management, wealth man in wealth management. And he handles my money and I've given, given him a good amount of money and he's put it in certain stocks and, and bond, you know, a lot of different indexes, things of uh, investment sorts, but long-term plays. And this isn't, um, I know right now, Robinhood and kind of these quick, you know, e-trading, day trading, yeah. um, things are getting big. I don't know if you ever watch Barstool, but like Dave Portnoy is kind of doing the day, day trading and everyone's trying to, you know, it's like gambling with the day trading and stuff. But why, why I, I bring it up and just kind of the long-term investment is it's a way that you will take a little bit of your money and you put it into account and you let that compound. And over time and over time, you'll realize that, you know, and in, in, again, it's a long-term play, 20, 30, you know, even 40 years. But in my account, what our strategy was in the very beginnings, I put, uh, I think, $5,000 in. And through compounding interest year over year and doing it, putting in the right account, in 20 years, I should have about $1.4 million. And that's the, that's the power of compounding interest. And that's why I say it's a beautiful thing is right there. That's my retirement fund. There we go, guys. I think Tony Robbins was the first person that I heard for compounding interest. He wrote a book, uh, which is basically exactly saying that everything you're saying. So I appreciate that too. Yeah. Uh, I love that. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the day, which is love. Um, you know, I think this is something that a lot of the youth, they, uh, they struggle with, you know, a lot of the information on love right now is just basically from Disney. So I want to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, what, what is love? How do you define love? You know, to me, I, how I look at love is love is compassion. And to me, love, you know, they talk about love languages and, you know, how people share it and everyone's different, how they communicate love. And to me, it's what you're really compassionate about. It's a, it's not something that you feel like, oh, I love it because it's the popular thing right now. It's on Instagram. It's what my friends do, you know, X, Y, Z. It's something that you intrinsically, internally really care about. And it's something that almost brings out an emotional side to you. Um, and that's why I say compassion is that it, it should drive almost a fire. I would feel it you know, through you. And, you know, it's, it's about finding kind of a connection as well, too. And that that love right there really trumps, you know, that emotional aspect trumps reason sometimes and logic. You know, people say love makes you do crazy things. And that's exactly I find that so true. Because if there's something you're compassionate about and really do love, maybe it leads to, you know, some negatives, making less money, maybe um, hurting someone, you know, uh, hurting someone, you know, just certain things that are negatives, right. really you love it. And it's something that you're not going to be stopped. So I, that's kind of my, you know, definition of love. Compassion. I love it. I love it. What, what you know, I think I, I talked to a lot of students um, and one of the biggest challenges that they, they, they face with love and, and compassion is like the, the love with their parents. It's like mm -hmm. there's like a lack of communication. Um, I know a lot of kids like they they can't even have a a full conversation with their dad, um, or they've never even been alone with their dad. So I mean, I guess you know, what is your relationship with your parents, and when how does that love come out? And then you know, so that kind of the people who are listening kind of you know figure it out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and I can touch based on both of my parents, you know, as I mentioned, my parents are divorced and they were divorced when I was really young, like two or three years old. So growing up, um, I, you know, it was regular for me to go back and forth. I was like 50, 50 at each house pretty much. And, you know, going back and forth and both I've had rough patches with both my parents. Um, you know, as I mentioned through the high school and 0809, you know, early years of high school, there was a lot of turmoil between me and my mom because of what was going on and it still carries over and there's still been a little bit of backlash still today. But Mm. at the time I, there was times I hated my mom. I said, you know, I would tell her I was, I, we would fight, you get gnarly fights, cussing each other out. And I look back on it and, you know, to touch back on love is, you know, she loved her mom. And she loved her work and loved me. And she did things that maybe were out of logic. And to me, you know, I didn't understand that. And it hurt me. But now that I'm older and I get to look back on that, I realize the love was always there. And we have a great relationship still. You know, we've kind of like rekindled it. And, you know, so that's how it can fluctuate. You know, another story I have, you know, my dad. So when I was a, a senior in high school, um, my dad got remarried when I was like in third grade, I think. I, I couldn't even tell you how old I was, like 10, 11, something like that. But um, never really liked my stepmom, never had a good relationship with her. Um, and then towards the back end of my high school, my junior, senior year, um, knew that something was kind of up. It was kind of a funky vibe. And I think I think a lot of adults, you know, look at kids and they, they think we're dumb and we can't pick up on things even when we're young. But they don't understand that we feel things and kids, kids know when something's wrong. So I knew something was kind of up. So towards the back end of my high school, I, I started to find out my stepmom was a drug, drug addict and alcoholic and it got very bad mm-hmm. and she was going in and out of rehab and there were things my dad was keeping from me and I didn't understand. So um, there was a time um, when it was my senior year of high school, uh, I got into University of Colorado I was super amped. I could not wait to go out there. And I got hit with, you know, I I had spent all pretty much your college money on, her name's Pam, uh, Pam's rehab. And it rocked me. It it really hurt uh, deep down. You know, there was so much anger and, I, you know, jealousy, just so many different emotions that were flowing through me. And it really had led to a falling out with my dad. Um, I didn't talk to him for two or three years, um, pretty much till my senior year of college when I was graduating, we kind we started to re he reached back out and we started to kind of rekindle the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even during that, it, there was a lot of turmoil and, um, obstacles and things we had to discuss and handle and pretty much, um, you know, it took years to really recover our relationship. And it, you know, there's still sensitive topics now with us, but um, he's currently the managing director of the brokerage. I'm at SBN Vanguard here. And through the years, uh, again, reflecting on where I was back at that time and who I am now has led to us really rekindling things. And when, um, when I left my previous job, Howe's, I started working for my mom for about a, a year, year and a half doing residential real estate. And there was some opportunity for me to 
come to SVN Vanguard and get in the commercial side of it. And it was a huge question mark for my dad and I of, are we going to be able to work with each other? Are we butt-heads? We both have strong personalities. Um, and just our history, too. You know, my stepmom does come by the office here um, from time to time. And I just take a respectful, you know, perspective of it. And it's my dad's wife. And I have to accept that. And that's his relationship. And he can have that. And I'm just going to do me. I don't talk to her. I keep my distance. Things are civil. And I've been working with my dad now for a little over a year. And things could have not have gone better. My entire family thought, you know, how's it working with Joe? Has it been crazy? Have you, you guys tried to kill each other yet? You know, that kind of thing. And, and things have been awesome. And we've done really well, you know, not only just our relationship, but business-wise. And it's been awesome. So, you know, I know everyone, you know, everyone has their family background and drama. And that's something I want to, you know, relate it any of these kids or any, you know, anyone that watches this podcast or video that everyone has issues, family issues, personal issues. And it's not to discredit your personal issue, but what I really want to focus on is that you're not alone. And through those conflicts and things that you go through, it's overcoming adversity and it makes you a deeper person, gives you a little bit more substance. And, you know, it's natural to find conflict with your parents, you know, and it, there's different degrees of it. I have friends who have awesome relationships with their parents, never had an issue, and their parents have great marriages, everything's fine, and you'll find that. You'll also find kids that, like you mentioned, can't even sit down and have a conversation with their parents, whether, you know, mom, dad, at dinner, just even chime in. Some, you know, kids feel like their parents just really don't care. So everyone has that different background. But what I really try to promote is that you take whatever adversity you find and like what I did with my anger and all my emotions through this is I channeled it. And it took a while to learn how to do it, but you channel those emotions into positive energy. And I, you know, in college and even in high school, I was angry and I fought a lot. I got in trouble, you know, went down that road a little bit and I through college and through experiences and working with people and getting good mentorship and guidance, I've learned to take my anger and channel it into energy, into positive energy. And I use it as a drive. And, you know, people can do that a lot of different ways. But to me, I take, I take a lot of people that hated on me and said I was never going to make it. And now in my, in, you know, that's my motivation is I take my anger of like, you really said that, but now inside I use this motivation that every deal I'm working on, I try to slam. I try to get up as early as possible, work out, be healthy, come into work, kick ass all day, and then, you know, close these deals. Because inside of me, I'm like, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. You guys are idiots. I, I'm totally confident in myself. And that's how you channel that. So you can take those negative things in your life and the adversity that you go through and really put it together and make it a positive. I love that. That is so amazing. All right. Well, thank you for sharing today. Um, last question, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap it up then, you know, so much knowledge. What are three pieces of life advice you have for the youth? You know, what I would say that my, my three pieces would be, um, one is we're in 2020 and no idea is too crazy. We live, <laughs> this is, it feels like every day is a wild west and things are, 
you know, uh, too crazy. And I think um, ideas in being an American, we're entrepreneurs. It's in our society. It's in our all of our blood. We're always going to figure things out. COVID's a perfect example right now. There's a lot of businesses I work with who are reconfiguring their business model and doing a lot of different things right. to work with COVID. And some of the creative ideas of restaurants and some retail tenants that we have, it's amazing. And I, I just think no idea is too crazy. And, and why I bring that up is um, a short story is that in college, I was uh, in a business class. We had to come up with a kind of a small business idea. Um, one of my uh, colleagues here that I actually work with, we were, went to Boulder together. We we're in the class. We we're on the same team. And we came up with an app. At the time, Uber, a lot of the Postmates, Uber Eats was kind of starting to get uh, develop and get more popular. So we came up with an idea of an alcohol delivery service. And um, I, we made a business plan, wrote it all out, submitted to our teacher, and he shot it down. And he absolutely just gutted it. You know, we were rocked. We thought we were we were made the next, you know, Amazon idea. We we're about to be billionaires, but he shot it down and he he just gunned it and and you know it's too much liability, XYZ. And I would say about a year, maybe two years later, uh, a company called Saucy uh, came out, which is an alcohol delivery service. I think they got bought out by Drizzly, uh, which is a bigger alcohol delivery. It was our same exact model. And I was like, you know, they just got evaluated like 50 million or something like that. And I look at Zach and I was like, I'm never going to listen to anyone again. No, no idea is too crazy. So I think that's where people need to be creative and just don't let, you know, the standard, whatever standards are, you can go above them. There's no rules in life, you know, and especially today in 2020, especially there is no rules. So, you know, keep it safe and stuff. I'm not saying go crazy, but be creative, you know, sky's the limit. But uh, I, guess my, I guess my second um, takeaway would be to just be patient, to be absolutely patient, you know, through school, finding, you know, what major you want to go into or what you want to study. Maybe school isn't for you, you know, and but through time and it's the patience of figuring that out, um, you know, work, you know, um, anytime you get into a new job, like I said, you're not going to make 100K coming out of college, and that takes patience. You know, to get over that six-figure mark, it takes patience, and it takes you know problem solving and time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears. Um, uh, I'll give a good example of a gentleman here at our brokerage. Uh, his name's Tony Yusuf. Um, Tony, probably it's probably like 38, maybe 39 years old. Beautiful, has a beautiful family. He has been doing real estate for about 10 years now. And for the first five years of real estate, he did not make a single dime. And he har harps on this all the time. And through those five years, he struggled, wanted to quit, kept pushing himself, you know, got and got creative. So in 08, 09, when everything melted down, um, a lot of foreclosures happened, which means the bank takes back the property, whether it's uh, commercial or residential property. Right. So banks know how to be bankers. They don't know how to do real estate. So what Tony did is he got in between banks and the real estate assets that they were taking back and listing them. And now Tony is the number one uh, producer at SVN. 
um, grosses, which means he takes home probably over 500,000, I would say a year. And it didn't come overnight. It took patience. It took time, blood, sweat, and tears. But now this guy is rolling and he's very humble about it. it but he is humble because of his beginning. And then he wasn't a hot shot. And he tells anyone that no matter what you do, industry, no matter what industry, job, anything, it takes time to get good at. And if you look across the board at athletes, you know, successful business businessmen, X, Y, Z, they all will say the same thing that it never their first, you know, go at it. They just didn't become successful. They went through some type of hardship. So I just encourage people to be patient in whatever you do. It's not going to happen, you know, tomorrow. You know, you could get lucky and things like that. I'm never saying, you know, toss that aside, but just, you know, really hold a sense of patience. But um, yeah, and then uh, the my third takeaway in um, being from San Diego, and I, it's kind of different for everyone, but there's a saying in San Diego here that San Diego is a big city, but a small town. Mm. And essentially, you, we, you never want to burn any bridges or, you know, screw anyone um, because it comes full circle. And one way or another, it could be a day, month, year, 10 years. And to me, I'm a big proponent of karma. And I think, you know, undercutting people, screwing people over, you know, not um, exercising good business practice is karma. And things are going to happen, you know, negative in your life or whatnot. But overall, you know, and I'll tell another story of our brokerage here is there was a gentleman, he was a broker here, uh, left the company kind of in a, in a bad way, left a bad taste in the managing director's mouths. Um, and he kind of did some shady things. So it's probably five, six years down the line. Um, that gentleman has a massive deal, uh, syndication going on here in San Diego, which ends up um, involving some of the biggest players. One of the biggest players ended up being extremely close with our managing director, Pat Millet. Mm. He called Pat asking, you know, what the deal was, how should we go about this? Give me your thoughts. Pat laid out what happened and that group pulled out of the deal. So it's, that's just my, that's just one example of how things come full circle and it might not be tomorrow, it might not be the next day, but just treat everyone with respect. You know, it, it doesn't matter who they are, but carry yourself with a sense of professionalism. And no matter with that, when you treat people with respect, you'll get respect back. So that's kind of my last takeaway there. I love that, man. You shared you shared so many great tips. You know, first life advice, just kind of recap. Nothing's ever too crazy. I love that. One, <laughs> you should probably make sure if your professor got some equity in the in that delivery company stole your idea I know, man i know <laughs> i got robbed <laughs> and then uh the patience love that uh and then don't burn you know bridges i think a lot of a lot of the youth they don't you know pretty much people are just in their feelings a lot of the time and then mm -hmm. i think when they're young like a lot of bridges do kind of get burned um but so i think that was a great tip and i want to appreciate you for sharing that what uh what you know brought so much value today what, what can the community do for you? What, what is your biggest problem that you have right now that if somebody was listening right now could solve for you, what would that be? What could the community do for me? You know, the biggest problem I think is kind of, I guess it would almost be kind of what some of my takeaways would be is that people are moving too fast. 
And I think people, we need to all step back and slow down. Um, I know COVID was bad and it's a, you know, I, I know there's deaths and that's horrible, but there's a certain, there's a few positives that I think are going to come from this time that we're in right now of everyone freezing, kind of stepping back and almost hitting a reset button. And the reason why I say that is I feel like with social media, with um, technology, Amazon, anything you want, you can get it in a snap. You want a product, go on Amazon, you get next day delivery. You, you know, um, want to see your friends, FaceTime them. You know, things are so instant. And I feel like a lot of kids, I shouldn't say kids, I just think people in general have this instant gratification and life isn't instant. And I think it, um, it translates to, you know, a lot of different things of politics, um, you know, day-to-day business, happiness, you know, all, all the way around the board. We just need to slow down. And that's where my patience, you know, kind of takeaway comes in is that we just need to be patient, get all information and understanding you know, of everyone. And right now, you know, what the community could do for me is develop themselves, you know, in a positive way and just be patient and things are going to work out. We're Americans. We're, you know, we've always figured it out. And, you know, for as many, I think bad things that are publicized and are out in, you know, the media and it's kind of, you know, that's been, you know, just the media just wants clickbait and all that. I think a lot of positives and good hearted things are overlooked and there's still a lot of good in this world. And I just, I would say my main thing for the community is everyone just needs to get better and respect each other, but no, there's still good in the world. And it's really not as bad as I think people think because of outside influence of social media and media, you know, big media and stuff like that, but we're going to be okay. And as long as everyone keeps growing and respecting each other, we're going to get through this. So that's that's what you can do for me. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Before I forget, 88 Real Estate Media is looking for members to join the oversight committee to build the best Kung Fu school in Southern California. Um, Also, if you guys do do business in the real estate industry, please do consider hiring 88 Real Estate Media. Other than that, man, Mark, Daniel, how how can people find you? Uh, you can come, um, uh, we, my number will be posted in the bottom here. Uh, that's actually my direct cell phone number, uh, 619-218-9873. And then that's also my Instagram handle, uh, the commercial real estate advisors. Um, uh, that's my Instagram. Feel free to shoot me a DM. You know, as I shared with Bobby, if anyone, you know, that watched this video has personal questions, uh, wants to chat, I would love to be a resource for anyone, you know, to talk about not only, you know, business experience, maybe how you can get into the real estate game, things you can expect, you know, as well too. always feel free uh, to reach out. Um, if you ever have trouble getting a hold of us, always uh, feel free to just um, Google SBN Vanguard uh, San Diego. Um, you can call a receptionist, she'll get you, you know, in touch with us too. So any of you guys out there that have questions or need anything, always feel free to reach out. I love that. I love that. I'm just posting it right now. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Um, guys, make sure give Daniel a call, 619-218-9873. Give him a follow. Uh, if you ever wanted to get into commercial real estate, definitely hit him up. 
if you, your parents, your uncle, your family member, they want to buy commercial real estate, uh, this is definitely the guy to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, call this man, commercial real estate. This guy will get you handled. Hopefully you guys, you know, resonated with his story. Um, other than that, thank you for joining us and uh, have a great day, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys.